an associate professor of psychiatry at University of California, Irvine School of Medicine, Aaron Karaiti was a medical student, he noticed something quite bizarre. He frequently observed how students and staff altogether rarely used a certain word. Sometimes they even avoided it. Aaron says that one night, while eating dinner in the cafeteria, a colleague excused himself, saying, I need to go declare a patient. And then his colleague fell silent. Aaron remembers himself saying the following, You need to go declare a patient. What? Later on, Aaron would come to realize that his colleagues avoid using the word dead at all costs. He noticed that when a patient dies, an elaborate language game starts, and whomever was responsible for delivering the news tried as hard as they could to avoid saying the hefty word. It is quite hard to imagine how people in the medical profession feel when a patient of theirs dies. Innocent people die might encourage doctors to treat their patients as subjects. It is believed that, throughout years of practice, doctors would learn how to break bad news, the prognosis of terminal conditions, and the importance of care. However, it must be tough to react in the face of patients who are dying or in the immediate aftermath of death itself. After all, the end is a frightening thing. There is also another common thing related to doctors. We might have come across it in our surrounding environment or even be involved in it. The medical term for it is atrophobia, which is an intense fear of doctors that manifests as a general anxiety or an outright panic. There can be many reasons a person fears doctors. It could be the fear of certain medical procedures, the pain of certain procedures, or fear that developed due to a bad experience with a certain doctor. Some people are petrified of needles. Some are scared of having blood tests, vaccinations, and some are scared of being killed by their doctors. Fear of doctors could also have no rational basis in reality, which is a common thing for many types of phobias. There's also another term that's closely related to today's topic. In the medical community, it is referred to as thanatophobia, or fear of death. More specifically, it can be a fear of death or a fear of the dying process. Because while talking about death, what isn't there to be afraid of? It is the ultimate end. But while some people dread death, others accept it as inevitable. And while some accept the inevitable, there are others who cause it. Whether it's atrophobia, insensitive doctors, or thanatophobia, we can find a way to understand it. We're capable of finding meaning in everything. But are we capable of understanding evil? What if the person responsible for our recovery and treatment is the bringer of our demise instead? What if one day you go in asking for a treatment and you end up dead? What if the person you entrust your life with ends up being your angel of death. My name is Muhammad, and this is School of Crime.
The person we will talk about today may have lived far away from us, in a different continent, during a different time period. But this person has a common aspect with evil. This person was a bringer of demise to some people. They call him a lot of things. We will know him as Dr. Death. January the 14th, 1946, witnessed the birth of Harold Frederick Shipman. Shipman was born into a working-class family, and despite having three siblings, he was said to be shy and awkward. June the 21st of 1963 marks the death of Shipman's mother due to terminal lung cancer. The passing was tragic and it devastated Shipman because he loved his mother. However, Shipman was fascinated by the effects of morphine and how it eased his mother's pain when it was administered by doctors. It is said that this is what encouraged Shipman to pursue a career in medicine. And with a vision in mind, and after seven years, Shipman graduated from medical school and had his first job at Pontefract General Infirmary in Yorkshire. In 1974, he joined a medical practice in Todmorden, Yorkshire, where he succeeded as a family practitioner. However, within months, Shipman was involved in scandal where he became addicted to painkillers and he was eventually caught forging prescriptions for himself. In 1975, Shipman was forced to resign and entered a drug therapy program Plus, he handed a small fine for the forgery. Despite all of this, and in 1977, he was hired by Donnybrook Medical Center, where he was respected by patients and colleagues. Two years pass, and Shipman opens up his own practice and continues serving his patients. On June the 24th, 1998, an 8-year-old lady named Kathleen Grundy dies in mysterious circumstances. Kathleen's daughter, Angela Woodruff, was suspicious about her mother's passing. Angela digs around and realizes that the last person to see her mother alive was no other than Shipman, the same person who insisted that an autopsy would be fruitless, the same person who insisted that a cremation was in need, and the same person Kathleen's estate was left to. Kathleen's will reads as follows. I give all my estate, money and house to my doctor. My family are not neat, and I want to reward him for all the care he has given me. Evidently, Angela realized that the document was forged, and after alerting the authorities, her mother's body was unearthed. Afterwards, the authorities performed a post-mortem on Kathleen's body. They realized that Kathleen died due to a diamorphine overdose within the time frame of Shipman's visit. However, Shipman indicated in Kathleen's medical record that she was addicted to substances, but thankfully, the police were able to confirm that the entries were made after Kathleen's death. After his arrest, questions were asked and the authorities launched an inquiry into 15 similar cases. Cases which followed the same pattern. Old female patients would die due to a diamorphine overdose, but their medical records would indicate death due to poor health. 
On the 5th October 1999, Shipman is found guilty of 15 counts of murder and one of forgery. And on New Year's Eve 2000, he was sentenced to life in prison with the court's recommendation of never releasing him. Investigations indicated that Shipman has issued 521 medical certificates of cause of death during his career. It is believed that he has murdered more than 200 individuals, although there is speculation that the number could be as high as 260. There is no period of time when Shipman was practicing when his death rates were similar to other local practitioners. Shipman's killing spree spanned for over than 20 years. He affected hundreds of families. There are countless theories about why people engage in serial killing behavior. Many of them refer to what's called socioeconomic frustration, sometimes referred to as homicidal protest. It is said that serial killers target people from powerless groups in society. And as for Shipman, he killed elderly people who he deemed a burden to society. Other theories suggest that Shipman might have been addicted to murder, he had a particular dislike for women, or he was traumatized by his mother's death. The latter is more appealing because it seems that he has recreated those circumstances repeatedly. Another theory says that Shipman was angry at his patients because they lived longer than his mother and he was overwhelmed by a sense of injustice, and to set things right, he ended their lives. Yet, it is important to note that Shipman refused to talk to any mental health professionals. No one learned anything about him after his arrest. Often with most serial killers, their behaviors align with pathology and personality factors. As for Shipman, his killings weren't a reflection of frustration he had with the society or system as a whole, but rather something that was driving him from his own damaged and distorted point of view. The way he murdered and his M.O. are similar to what he saw with his mother's death that probably had a tremendous impact on him. And from a psychoanalytic perspective, most serial killers do have a notable relationship with their mothers, and those relationships are often considered unhealthy and dysfunctional. But in Shipman's case, other than his mother's inevitable death, nothing seems to be a precursor to him becoming a predator. But there is another component worth mentioning, what physicians refer to as the God complex. Shipman might have been a narcissist, assigned with people's lives. He might have felt that he held people's lives in his hands, and nobody was going to tell him what to do. But there is another aspect to Shipman that made him appealing to his victims. He was charming to them, and this could explain how many of his patients believed he was the best physician they ever had. He was clearly a serial killer. Still, some believe that Shipman's motives were purely financial. Others suggest that his modus operandi and his mother's death share some similarities. Some think that Shipman had a distorted version of justice. They believe he only wanted to put his patients out of their misery. Surely enough, Harold Frederick Shipman didn't look like a serial killer. But then again, can we put a face to evil? 
Behind those fatherly features and kind smile lurked a serial killer responsible for the killing of over 200 people who entrusted him with their lives. Manipulative, deceptive, and cruel, he was the ultimate predator and will always be remembered as Britain's most prolific serial killer. Four years after his imprisonment, Shipman hanged himself using bedsheets in his prison cell. Some still remember him, others just know his name. But Harold Shipman's crusade of death will linger in memory until the end of time. His reign of terror is one of the most documented cases of mass murder ever recorded. He was a husband, a father, and a friend to some, but to the rest of the world, he was the most dangerous serial killer to ever exist. He was and will always be Dr. Death. This brings us to an end of our episode. There is one thing we need to remember. We are surrounded by the mysterious. And one way to combat that mystery is to figure out what's wrong with the world and ultimately what's wrong with us. This is your host, Muhammad. Till next time, take care. <laughs>